0: Welcome in on a Wednesday edition of the podcast. Hope you all are doing fantastic out there. Plenty to get you ahead on this episode of Locked on Cougars. What do the New England Patriots have in Kyle Van Noy and Harvey Long as they come back to the franchise they once called home? Well, Mike DeBate from Locked On Patriots will break that down for us on today's show. We'll also continue our countdown of the BYU football seasons of the past. Looking at 1956, the Hal cop era begins for the Cougars. How did it go? How did a new head coach do? Coming off two one-win seasons in 1954 and 1955, we'll examine that. And of course, we will catch you guys up on... On everything else you need to know as a BYU fan here on a Wednesday. So plenty to get to ahead on today's show. It's all brought to you today in part by five great podcasts, which are part of the Locked On College football channel. Those are the various conference channels. Whether you're a fan of Big Ten, Big 12, Pac-12, SEC or ACC football. Check out all their respective conference shows. Just search them out wherever you guys get your podcasts. All right, without further ado, let's have some fun on a Wednesday. This is the Locked On Cougars podcast for June 2nd, 2021. What's up, my friends? I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, a resident BYU insider. I work for the Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City, Utah. Thank you again for taking some time to download your only daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. A big thank you for your continued support of the show. It's a blast to be with you guys every single day. I've got a fun note I want to read to you guys later on in today's show from one of our listeners. We'll get to that in a little while. But starting off today's show, we're going to go back to the NFL. What we've been doing here over the last two weeks is talking about guys, former Cougars in the pros, and their chances of making their respective rosters. There are guys who are going to make their rosters, it's already said. Fred with the San Francisco 49ers that's a done deal he will be the team captain for the 49ers at linebacker there's no doubt about that Taysom Hill same thing with the New Orleans Saints What about the New England Patriots? I think Kyle Van Noy is a lock to make this roster. He had a two-year deal coming home from the Miami Dolphins after a one-year trek to South Beach to make all that money. Four-year, $51 million deal cut after just one season playing there in South Beach. He goes back to the place where he had his most success, won two Super Bowl rings. But he's also joined by another former Cougar who got his start in New England, but it was upended due to an unfortunate car accident and just an awful situation in Harvey Longy. Well, I think both of them should make the roster, but there are people who are more in the know than I am, and I reached out to Mike DeBate, who is the host of Locked On Patriots, the daily podcast focused on the New England Patriots, and asked him, Mike, what are the chances both Harvey Longy and Kyle Van Noy make the New England Patriots roster? And here's what Mike sent us.
1: When it comes to the chance of a couple of BYU Cougars cracking the New England Patriots 2021 roster, I'd say it's more likely than not, especially for one familiar face. I'm Mike DeBate, host of the Locked On Patriots podcast. And thus far, during the 2021 offseason, the New England Patriots have brought in a lot of new faces and brought back some familiar ones, two of which are former BYU Cougars linebacker Kyle Van Noy and fellow linebacker Harvey Longy. Of the two, Van Noy is the most likely to crack the Patriots' 53-man roster in 2021. He's back for his second tour of duty with the Pats, having previously played for the team from 2016 through 2019. During that span, Van Noy played a key role in helping New England to win two Super Bowls while remaining one of their most durable and versatile defenders. Van Noy started 45 games with the Pats, enjoying his best season in 2019, compiled 6.5 sacks and 15 quarterback hits while earning his reputation reputation as the Patriots' best pass rusher. That same offense, Van Noy parlayed his strong performance that season into signing a four-year, $51 million contract with the Miami Dolphins. Despite having a productive first season in Miami, however, Van Noy was given his release, and that was in an effort for Miami to free up some cap space down in South Beach. Van Noy's return to New England almost assures the fact that he will once again resume his role as one of the team's most versatile defenders. Van Noy is equally capable of playing on the edge or he can play off the ball. He'll join the likes of veteran Dante Hightower, emerging defensive play caller Juwan Bentley, newcomer Matt Judon, and sophomores Josh Uche and Anthony Jennings in a much-improved and well-stacked Patriots linebacker core. The latter of the two, meaning Uche and Jennings, can especially benefit from Van Noy's presence. He can be called on to be a mentor to these two younger players, and Patriots coaches, teammates, and especially the fans are going to be happy to have Kyle Van Noy back in the fold. But Kyle is not the only former BYU Cougar that is in the fold for New England, or should I say back in the fold for New England. Harvey Longy also found his way back to New England, signing a one-year deal with the Pats in early May of 2021. Longy first arrived with New England back in 2017 as an undrafted rookie free agent. He actually cracked the 53-man roster following his rookie preseason and appeared in one game before injuries that he sustained in a car accident sent him to the non-football injury list. Longhi was let go by the Patriots in 2018, where he went on to play 45% of the snaps on defense to go with 55% of the snaps on special teams with the New York Jets. Longhi had a career-high 60 tackles in New York last season, including 10 against the New England Patriots at MetLife Stadium in November. After the Jets declined to tender Harvey Longhi as a restricted free agent leading up to the new league year, the opening was there for Longhi to return to New England. And he's been a favorite of Bill Belichick, raised a lot of eyes during training, training camp in 2017. Unfortunately, injuries have taken their toll, and it's been tough on Harvey Longhi, especially trying to crack a 53-man roster. He might be a little bit of a long shot considering how deep the Patriots are at linebacker, but even in 2017, he still faced stiff competition and was able to crack the 53-man roster, showing Bill Belichick and the Patriots brain trust enough for them to consider carrying him for the entire season. At the end of the day, I'm a big fan of both Kyle Van Noy and Harvey Longy, and it is my sincere hope that both players end up as a part of the 53-man roster for the 2021 New England Patriots.
0: There you go, Mike. Debate host of Locked On Patriots, and if you are a Pats fan or have interest in tracking how Van Noy and or Harvey Longy do during training camp, OTAs, all that fun stuff this summer, I encourage you guys to check out the Locked On Patriots podcast. Mike's been with the Locked On Podcast Network for some time now, doing a great job covering one of the more storied franchises in NFL history, especially of recent history. And fun to hear him believe that he thinks that both guys should stand good odds of making the roster, and he. Has A sincere hope that both of them do make the roster going into this fall. We'll continue to do these in coming days. I have a bunch of other hosts that are helping me out with this. We're going to talk about Kairos Tonga with the locked on Bears. Podcast with Lauren Cox. We're also going to talk about Chandon Herring's chances as an undrafted free agent with the Locked On Titans podcast. So a lot more of these to come in coming days. And a big thank you to all of the hosts who have helped us out here with this mini series we're running here on the podcast. Another long running series we'll get to here in just a moment is looking back at all the 100 seasons of BYU football that have been played to this point. We talk about 1956 here in just a moment. A new era, a new coach, how cop takes over. How did things go for a new coach on the scene in the mid-1950s? We'll get to all of that here in just a few moments. Today's show is brought to you in part by our good friends over at Built Bar. Folks, I talk about Built Bars all the time, whether it's on this podcast or in everyday life. I cannot recommend them enough. They are the best tasting protein bars ever, and they are extremely healthy for you guys. High protein, high fiber, low calorie, low sugar. They're the perfect complement for your diet, whether you're trying to lose or maintain weight. The best part is, it's kind of that treat that gets you through your day. Many of us, when we're on a diet or trying to lose weight, whatever it is, you're told, hey, don't eat sugar. Obviously, it's, it's a thing that really helps you lose weight. But you know what? Built Bars are kind of that perfect complement, in my opinion, that helps you kind of satisfy that sweet urge that you may, you may have. And you can give it a shot. Like I said, all these bars are 100% delicious, covering 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew. They are the best-tasting protein bars ever. They taste legitimately like a candy bar, and I want to encourage you guys to give them a shot now. Go to BuiltBar.com. You can find all the different flavors they have available to you guys, nine unique base flavors, as well as other limited-time runs that they have. Yesterday it was Toffee Almond. They had Orange earlier on last week. They always have specials running, and right now you can save 15% on your next tour by going to the promo code LOCKED15 at BuiltBar.com. You heard that right. Save 15% using the promo code lock 15 when you get to BuiltBar.com. Take advantage of it now, guys. Enjoy the best tasting protein bars anywhere and do it with Built Bar.
1: It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA. And now through June 30, get 0% APR for 84 months,
0: All right, my friends, continuing on with our 100 seasons of BYU Football Countdown, let's take a look back at 1956 for the BYU football program. As we talked about on yesterday's show, 1955 ended in just unglorious fashion, let's be honest. A second one-win season, Chick Atkinson resigns or retires, depending on which source you read from, and moves on with his life, ultimately dying very, very young in 1962, as we said, at the age of 43. But BYU very much needed a steady hand to help rebuild this program, and they found it. in University of Rhode Island head coach Hal Kopp, he came cross-country to Provo to take over the Cougars football program, and if I'm being honest, he had the resume the you wanted for a guy to come in and take over a pretty moribund program. Cop was at uh, University of Rhode Island as their head coach for five years, and in those five years actually had three Yankee conference titles. So three conference titles in five years. Very impressive number right there. But in addition to that, also notched their first bull appearance in program history as head coach of the Rams in the 1955 Refrigerator Bowl. Yes, you heard that right, the refrigerator bowl. Back in the day, folks, bull names were absolutely phenomenal. We we talked about the salad bowl last week, Marion Probert playing in it when it was a showcase event for senior talent from the skyline conference. Well, originally that game started out as a bowl game in Arizona. I missed the old days of bowl games, the fiesta bowl, the sugar bowl, the Rose bowl. They're still all around the granddaddy of them all. Speaking of the Rose bowl, but games like this, the refrigerator bowl, that stuff is something from a bygone era in college football. Now we get like the GoDaddy.com bowl and I don't know what else, Arizona Nova Arizona Home Loans Bowl. Okay, give me a break. I'd much rather have the refrigerator bowl. That's just kind of my jam, but any more with corporate sponsorships, that's just kind of how things shake out. So, Hal Cop came to BYU on the heels of that bull appearance. The Rams did lose that game to Jacksonville State 12 to 10 in that bull appearance. But he came to BYU with the resume that you wanted in a coach to come in and really kind of think build this program back up. Didn't necessarily have a lot of success early on, as we'll talk about it here in a moment in 1956. But one interesting note that you guys need to know about Hal Cop, and I teased this on yesterday's podcast, is he has one distinct feature about him. Feature is probably the wrong term. One Characteristic about him? I don't know how to term it exactly, but Hal Kopp, for everything that's gone on in the BYU football program's history, Hal Cop is the only, and I mean only, head coach who has not been a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints. You heard that right. Hal Kopp, all the coaches before him are members of the predominant faith at Brigham Young University all of them since him and it's essentially an unwritten official rule now They have to be a head coach to be a head coach at BYU you've got to be a member of the predominant faith the LDS church well Hal Kopp is the only coach in BYU football history to have not been a member of the faith and held the title of head coach of the BYU football program so kind of a fun thing if you want to share that with your family and friends you can say hey did you guys know that there was a coach that was not a member of the church who led the BYU football program and I think you'll actually stun and amaze people that information so, You're welcome. All right, let's talk a little bit about how the season went for the Cougars overall in 1956. As you would imagine, coming off back-to-back one-win seasons, the talent base probably not as deep as a guy like Hal Kopp probably would have liked coming into BYU, but that did not stop him from getting to work right away, even if the results did not come right away. The Cougars overall in 1956 won a a grand total of two games, tied one, and lost seven. They opened the year losing to Wichita State 13th 13-0 13 nothing in wichita kansas then came home for their home opener, lost to Fresno State 26-13. Then they went to Colorado State, and by the way, Colorado a and in this time period changed their name officially from Colorado a and to Colorado State. They tied that game in a thriller. 0-0, folks. Ooh, big time. Then the Cougars came back home to host Utah Cougar Stadium in Provo and were thoroughly trounced 41-6. Yes, we are still sitting on just one victory in program history for the BYU football program. What a deb- Subbuckle it has been for BYU in this era. Then they went to Montana, lost that game 21-14, to put up a decent fight up there in Missoula, lost at Utah State 33-7. So in both in-state games, they've been outscored a grand total of 74-13. to ouch. The Cougars came home and got the first win of the season, though, November 3rd, hosting New Mexico, winning that game 33-12 in a blowout, then went to Denver, got thoroughly trounced 58-34, and then, last two games of the year, BYU took on Wyoming, who actually won the conference, was 10-0, nationally ranked, 7-0 in the Skyline Conference. BYU had their chance to knock off a nationally relevant Wyoming football program and was unable to do it, losing 7-7. Reading some of the stories, one of them from the Daily Herald about this game, BYU uh, failed to convert an extra point after scoring in the second quarter to tie things up, it appeared that PAT failed. And then with about five minutes to go in the fourth quarter, they had a 20-yard field goal. You heard that right, 2-0, 20-yard field goal that would have given them a 9-7 lead and likely, based on how BYU had been playing, given them the chance to upset the heavily favored Wyoming Cowboys. And the kick went wide right, so they lose seven to six in this game. And the funny thing is, had BYU thrown not as many interceptions as they would have liked to have in this game. They threw five in this game one of which ended up being the winning score for Wyoming with the PAT added on top. It was a 60 yard uh, PAT, a pick, not PAT, a pick six for Wyoming that ultimately proved to be the winning score for them and BYU was just that agonizingly close to notching a major, major upset but Hal Kopp really showed some things. His program speaking of the BYU football program in 1956 it showed strides. It showed they were still getting better as things went along, but they obviously were not there yet. We'll talk about 1957 tomorrow, also 1958. Uh, the, some interesting seasons with Hal Kopp at the helm, just three years at the helm of the BYU football program, and we'll talk about that later on in later shows this week. On one more note for you guys, BYU did close out the season with a victory. They beat Air Force. The Air Force Academy, as you talked about, had just been established a few years earlier by Dwight D. Eisenhower. They just started playing football really in the infancy of their program but BYU faced off against Air Force and beat the Cadets 34 to 21 bringing BYU's overall record to that 2-7-1 that we talked about. Good enough for 7th out of 8th place 7th place in an 8-team conference in the Skyline Conference only Montana who BYU lost to earlier on in the season was worse than them going 1-9 1-6 in the Skyline Conference so very much a rough season for BYU but late in the season that narrow Lost to Wyoming and the trouncing of both New Mexico and Air Force showed the Hal Cop was starting to build some nice things with BYU. And like I mentioned, 1957 and 1958 proved to be much better years than in recent memory in the recent run that we've had here on the Locked On Cougars podcast, looking back at these seasons. So, a lot of fun to continue on talking about this. We'll continue to break these down for you guys every single day. But the biggest thing to take away from today is the stunning major families, you can tell them that they're. There's only been one head coach in BYU football history who has been, um, who's been a non-member of the LDS faith. And I think people actually think you're lying when you say that to them, but you can tell them. Hal Kopp was the man. All right, a couple other notes for you guys before we go here are the statistical outstanding players for BYU in 1956. This era, finally, statistics became much more readily available, and BYU very much had a decent season statistics wise. The problem was, they threw a lot of interceptions, and I mean a lot of interceptions. Carroll Johnston was the starting quarterback for the majority of this season. He passed for a healthy total of 9 9- 145 yards, an average of 5.7 yards per attempt. Uh, but he did have eight touchdowns compared to 15 interceptions just not what you like to see. Wayne Starton, who was the other quarterback who kind of spelled him for a time, had two touchdowns against five interceptions, so BYU as a team, 23 interceptions overall just compared to 12 touchdowns passing. In the rushing department, BYU just over 1,100 yards on the season, 3.4 yard per carry average. Uh, Steve Campora leading the Cougars with 259 yards on the season overall, averaging 7.6 yards per carry, but obviously not good enough if you're the BYU football program. And one other note for you guys is that Carol Johnston, while also being the starting quarterback for BYU, also is BYU's leading punter on the year. Had 26 punts for 977 yards, averaging 37.6 yards per punt. Also, Weldon Jackson had 21 punts for a healthy average of 34.2 yards per punt. So in this era, you didn't have specialized punters. A lot of guys still played both ways, and BYU very much still in that mold. But I think the overall takeaway from today is that Hal Kopp came in, had a rough first year, but as you'll learn tomorrow, really got things turned around in a, in a hurry, and unfortunately had things short-circuited to, on him in his third year, and we'll explain more about that later on this week, right here on this podcast. Alright, coming up here in just a moment, we'll catch you guys up on everything else you need to know as a BYU football fan, a former Cougar getting another chance in the NFL, we'll talk about that. We'll also continue to break down everything going on in BYU sports, outside of the sports that have already wrapped up for the year. How do the Cougars do overall in the national what we call the NACTA Rankings, the Sears Director Cup, well, one of our stalwart listeners actually helped me out with that. We'll talk about that here in a moment as well. Today's show is brought to you in part by our good friends at Bet Online, folks. They are the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. With all these different sports underway, NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, Major League Baseball finally into the summer months. Whether you're a UFC MMA fan, you like golf, I don't care what it is, cricket bowling Pretty much going to guarantee that Bet Online either has a line for you, some odds for you to bet on, or they will create it for you. That's what we love about Bet Online. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for the playoffs, trying to win those national championships, or in this case, a world championship in the NBA as well as the NHL. But take advantage of their offers they have for you guys at Bet Online. They have all kinds of contests all the time, different sign up bonuses, and they have one for you guys right here on. The Locked On Cougars podcast. A 50% welcome bonus. You heard that right. A 50% welcome bonus. All you got to do is make your first deposit. Use the promo code LOCKED ON when you do that. And 50% of whatever you deposit is added in as free money to bet with. It's all courtesy of Bet Online, as they are your online sportsbook experts. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, especially during March. Your eyes are on the road, but the driver in front of you has both eyes on their bracket. As we round out this Wednesday edition of the podcast, something I've been failing to do over the past couple of shows, and it's my fault, honestly, is continue on with our player countdown as we get ready for the upcoming season. Obviously, we've been doing this 100 seasons of BYU football, but obviously, we are under 100 days, and that corresponds with different numbers on the BYU roster. I talked about last week, number 99, Cash Peterman, and I failed to note that Alema Pelimai also is wearing number 99, a defensive lineman. Alema converted tight end for BYU. Very much much. I think he has a lot of talent, a lot of promise, but has not been able to realize that quite yet in a BYU uniform. Number 98 on the countdown was Gabe Summers, who I still think is highly underrated on, along BYU's defensive line. Truly was one of BYU's best defensive linemen during the 2020 season and for some reason does not get his due. Absolutely, was a stalwart, a good pass rush from the interior BYU's defensive line. Not a guy who stands out physically by any means. Not the tallest, not the fastest, not the strongest, but just gets the job done, and that's what you need from a guy like Gabe Summers. Now, number 97, it goes to fre- incoming freshman Hunter Greer from Timpanogos High School, a guy who played for a not very good high school program up there in Orem, Utah, but a guy who very much stood out on that team and earned the respect of coaches and players alike, and. Obviously, BYU giving him that opportunity. He will be a defensive lineman for BYU as he gets ready for this upcoming season. Very much a redshirt candidate this year, getting back from a mission and obviously trying to get his legs back underneath him. Now, that brings us to number 96 on the roster. That is Carter Wheat. Tight end. Very much a guy who I think is going to be a nice compliment to Isaac Rex this year. You should see his role continue to rise as he plays for BYU. He will be a junior officially this year if I'm not mistaken. And you'd like to see him continue to build and grow. I very much like Carter Wheat's skill set. He's not an elite tight end in any I think particular circumstance or skill set, but what he does, he does everything well, and that's why BYU coaches love him. He's very much the perfect complement to a guy like Isaac Rex, and like I said, you're going to see more and more reps for Carter Wheat as he continues to play for the BYU football program. That brings us to number 95, which was yesterday's, and that is Caden Haas. He wore number 73 last year as the main backup to Kyrus Tonga. Well, he decided, you know what? I like that number. I'm going to wear number 95, and that's That's what Caden Haas will wear this year, according to BYU's roster going into this fall. Haas is a guy who I really, really like. Not the tallest guy, especially along the defensive line, but has absolute tree trunks for legs. It's near impossible when he gains position on the interior of that defensive line to get out of there. He's great at taking on double and triple teams. His time as an offensive lineman playing center all through high school, as well as his early days at BYU, very much help him think as an offensive lineman would think and counter that now as a nose tackle for the BYU. BYU football program, and Caden is very much going to be in the mix to have a lot bigger role this year for BYU. Atunai Samahe will be his main complement and nose tackle for BYU, and I think between the two of them they will feel the role that Kairos Tonga vacated very admirably, and I'm looking forward to finally seeing him out on the field in a bigger and better role, and obviously wearing that number 95 is a cool number for him, and that brings us to today's countdown, number 94, Freddie Levi. Freddie Levi, A.B. Miller High School down there in Southern California to this point he will be officially a redshirt freshman this year with the COVID restrictions a guy who has served a mission already very much a guy you expect to take on a bigger role for BYU at some point but has not done so quite yet still has not played in a single game for BYU in his career and you'd hope that would change this year still listed at six foot three 260 pounds he seems like a guy who very much is a candidate to put on some weight and end up as a defensive tackle for BYU but also could be kind of that what we call the true defensive end slot for for BYU. In BYU's defense, we often talk about the defensive end and the opposite end position the defensive end is what Zach Daw was last year. Zach foot 6'3", 280 pounds, more of a guy like I'm talking about here with Freddie Levi, a bigger body, able to set the edge in the run game, but the opposite end position is more of that true pass rusher, and that's what I expect a guy like Freddie Levi is to step into that defensive end spot, if and when he's able to realize his talent and be a contributor there. The nice part is, everything I am seeing from BYU right now is that defensive line is going to have plenty of depth to it. I really like what the Cougars are building along that defensive line, and I think they may not have the star power it had last year, but in terms of overall bodies and guys who can contribute, they have a lot of different dudes, and that's the good news if you're a BYU football fan. So there you go, getting caught up on our player countdown series numbers 99 through 94. We'll talk about 93 all the way down to number one as we get ready for the upcoming football season on September 4th. Crazy to think it's that close, but yet so far away. But looking forward to it all the same as we get closer and closer to BYU taking on Arizona. Now, a couple of the notes for you guys before we go on today's show Uh, BYU obviously is continuing to plod through their spring season. The final sport in action is, of course, the track and field programs. And with 24 student athletes headed to the national championships up there in Eugene, Oregon, you would expect them to show extremely well up there at Hayward Field and that's only going to help BYU's chances when it comes to the Director's Cup. Now some of you know what the Director's Cup is. It is a uh, scoring system put together by the National, I think it's the Athletics Directors Association, (NACTA). I think is what the technical term is for it but they put this together each year and actually rewards the most well-rounded athletic departments in the all of college sports. And BYU traditionally has done very good in this department. A good listener of ours, a fun listener of ours, Bill Hecker has reached out a couple of times about this. And he actually sent this to me and broke down how the fall season went. And BYU actually was on top, folks. Uh, he, I know that, Bill, you intended to do the spring season, but has not had a chance to do so quite yet. And based on what the latest email you sent to me is, is that NACTA today on Wednesday, June 2nd is expected to send out their rankings. But according to Bill's work, BYU coming out of the fall season actually was far and away the best overall athletic program in the entire uh, college sphere. 349 total points the second closest to them according to Bill's calculations was Washington with 264 points Oklahoma State in third with 229 points so BYU just absolutely rocketing out in into front in the NACDA rankings we'll find out how that holds up with regards to Stanford and some of these other programs especially with the spring season coming to a close BYU obviously not making a lot of noise in terms of baseball this year softball did make the regional but did not make a super regional that will help help and hurt in some ways. But Bill, you've done a great job and it's crazy to see BYU that far ahead. You took a lot of the time to dig into this, calculate how things went and, BYU's fantastic fall season, including football, women's and men's cross country, women's volleyball, and women's soccer, very much made BYU a formidable team when it comes to those rankings. And here's hoping that NACTA agrees with you, because I really think BYU has had just a banner year in terms of overall athletic department success. And that's the fun part about it, is looking at BYU and understanding, you know what, this is an athletic department, yes, that is very much led by men's basketball and football, but the overall depth and breadth of BYU successful sports. It's pretty enviable in the college sphere. So, Bill, thank you for sending that over. It truly means the world to me that you took the time, and my apologies for not getting to it sooner. Now, one other note before we go here is I wanted to talk about another note that was sent to me by a longtime listener of ours, Brent Bolingbroke. And I'm Brent, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. It could be Bo- Brent Bolingbroke. It's Spelled Bowling Broke, I hope I pronounced that correctly. Apologies if I did not. I know you've sent in notes previously and I failed to note how to say your name correctly. This is the note that Brent sent to me. He said, I wanted to let you know how much I am enjoying your locked on Cougars podcast this summer. I was planning on skipping the podcast until fall practice started. I can understand that. But I've been caught up in your covering the 100 years of BYU football series, and now I'm extremely enjoying your coverage of the Cougars invited to NFL camps by podcast spokespersons of the teams that invited or Drafted them. Thank you very much. You do have the best podcast on BYU Sports. I've listened to many others; they do not hold my interest, and I look forward each morning to your podcast of everything going on with BYU Sports. Keep up the great work. I highly recommend your podcast to anyone interested in BYU Sports. You are the best ever in covering the Cougars. Lo- listening to you early each morning from Maryland. Brent Bolingbroke and Brent thank you thank you thank you notes like that are what make doing this a lot of fun for me it takes a lot of time I'll be honest with you guys to do all the research and sit down and record these podcasts but guys like Brent you guys are support of this podcast That's why I do it. So thank you for your support, guys. I hope you have a great Wednesday whenever you hear this, whatever's left of your Wednesday. And, of course, we'll be back with you guys tomorrow talking about everything else going on in the BYU sports universe. Until then, have a great rest of your day. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast for June 2nd, 2021, and we will talk to you guys tomorrow.